0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Thurms Mack Court. How you doing?
1: Very well, thanks.
0: Yourself? I uh, can't complain, um, although I, I think I have a right to. Uh, the Diamond Ducks uh, have really stunk it up the last couple of weeks. Um, it was
1: a shocking weekend last week weekend weekend last week. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, just- man. Um, uh, uh, just a you know, uh, the, you know, both the 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 baseball and the softball teams um, have not had a, a couple of uh, weeks, a good couple of weeks. Um, let's start with talking about softball uh, they, uh, uh, you know, the ducks got swept, um, by Utah. Um, it was a pretty bad series uh, of them. Um, one of the worst series they played in years. Um, and, uh, 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 so then they go into the PAC 12 tournament, uh, as we had talked about, Prior to the Utah series, um, it was really essential that they do well against Utah to avoid a bad draw in the Pac-12 tournament, um, but they didn't, so they got a bad draw, and then, you know, it went down exactly as we predicted, you know, they played against Stanford, Um Uh, uh, and actually they were doing okay for much of the game. You know, it was Stanford is a team that has really good pitching. They don't bat that well. Um, and so it's a game that if you can sort of match their pitching, um you know and and keep their you know scoring down and sort of like squeeze out some runs against them like you can eke out a low scoring win that's basically how Oregon won you know when they when they played their series against Stanford earlier in the year it's how they you know eked out their win uh against them um and how they kept it close in the other two games um <laughs> And, uh, you know, this was looking like, hey, you know, they could win this game. In fact, they had at two different points during the game. They had a lead. Um, you know, Morgan Scott was pitching pretty well uh, through through five innings. Actually, I would say Morgan Scott was pitching a brilliant game. Yes. Uh, is that would you agree with that assessment? Five innings. Great. Great pitching. Yeah, for us, yeah,
1: yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, you know, Stanford had not scored. Uh, Oregon was on the board with a couple of runs uh, of early in the game. And it was, I mean, if you were going to write a script, as you said, about the, the previous games in the series between the two clubs, that's what you would have scripted. Let's get out there and get, get a lead and force them to come back on us. And at the same time, pitch a really good game. And certainly through five innings, uh, it's hard to argue that that's not what was going on
0: um i i I mean honestly you know it's you know the 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 consensus view about this game coalesced so quickly um and i mean honestly i I played some role in, 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 in that so i don't know like i don't know like it's a bit of an echo chamber i suppose um but like it just seemed like so crystal clear, you know, exactly when, when Scott was losing control of her pitch mm-hmm. and like, you're, you know, you're a parent of a softball player. Like you watch, you, you, you watch simply because you're, you're forced to, I think. Um, and, and I think you enjoy it, uh, right? Sure. That's a great but sport. It's not torture for you, right? No, no, uh, no, no. Like the, it, it became very obvious when uh, softball pitching is not the same as baseball pitching. Like mechanically, is by far the biggest difference between softball and baseball. There are other differences, of course. Like it's obvious to anybody who watches both sports. But like mechanically, it's by far the biggest difference. The the, the mechanic uh, is quite different. It, it's more softball is obviously it, it's much more sustainable. Um, uh, uh, um, and from a sort of strategic perspective, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but like, it's much more viable to put the same pitcher in within a, a shorter time frame in softball than it is in baseball. Right. Um,
1: you, you, well, and, and the rules allow it, um, you know, where you can in softball, you can start a pitcher have her struggle, bring her out, bring somebody else in, uh, have her go a little while and then start to struggle and bring the first pitcher back in to finish sure. the game. For example, you can't do that in baseball.
0: But I guess my point, uh, not where I was th- good to know, not where I was going with this, uh, where I was going with this is because this tournament is a single elimination tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, unlike what baseball is switching to for this year, which is they're going to a pod system, um, we'll talk about that when we get over to baseball. Um, uh, but you know, this the inaugural softball tournament is a single elimination tournament; it's win or go home. So you got to win or go home, yeah. which means right. you got to leave it all out on the field every single time. There's, you know, there's no, oh well, I got to conserve you know stevie hansen for for tomorrow against ucla there is no tomorrow right if you lose so like i you know it it doesn't you know the fact that like you know you could put stevie in for a little bit and still have her start the next day because of the sustainability of softball pitching right Absolutely. And because it's you know it was obvious in the sixth exact I mean it was the first batter at the top of the sixth you know get gets a hit off of Scott you know she had previously given up I think three hits in the whole game
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know f- first batter gets off a hit second batter you know uh, grounds into a double play which was rad but then the third batter hits a home run should have yes. pulled her right. Yeah. Third batter hits a single, should have pulled her. Fourth batter hits a double, should have pulled her. Fifth batter, wild pitch, should have pulled her. Yeah. Next batter hits a fly out, you know, she gets, you know, uh, gets, you know, rescued, you know, by the fly out. But that's not, you know, it's not like she struck her out, you know. Everybody hits the ball. Yeah, right. Every
1: batter hit the ball. They may not have gotten on base by doing it, but they hit it. They made good contact with it. Yeah. And that's at some point you have to realize that that's what's happening. And if, if you go four or five or six batters in a row that are making solid contact, you've got a problem. I mean, not not just
0: solid contact, you know, I I mean, like a hit, uh, a hit into a double play, a home run, another hit, a double, a wild pitch like are you kidding me like in the sixth inning you know I forget exactly what the pitch count was was pretty high you know like are you like it was so you know in a winner go home situation against a lethal pitching squad like uh, it was clear in the sixth inning every single batter that that came up that Scott should have been pulled And at no point through like five batters. So then in the seventh inning, when Scott comes out again, it was like, are you, are you kidding me that she's still out here? Uh, So, uh, so what happens on the first batter? Yeah. Home run. Home run. Yeah. Home run to tie it up. Next batter, uh, you know, hits a single next batter uh uh you know hits a single and there's a throwing error which uh which uh allows the 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 that that person who had hit a single to come around to get the walk off cuz it's the bottom of the 7th the walk off which ends the game sends Oregon home to to end the tournament for them which is like are you like literally every person with the exception of that fly out at to, at the bottom of the 6th gets a hit or a home run. Yeah. And, and winds up scoring. It's just like I mean and,
1: it, and on some of these late, like there's they're, an, on, they're on low pitch counts. Um like the the home run in the 7th came on the third pitch and the single uh, that followed it came on the second pitch after a ball. So it's just like
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: You know, she's obviously lost it. I mean, it's Yeah, just it like, was so
0: you know, absolutely clear that she had lost it. Yeah. It was like crystal clear that she had lost it, which like is no, I'm not trying to disrespect Morgan Scott pitchers, lose their control, their pitch.
1: It happens. happens. Sure.
0: It happens. It's why you have a bullpen. It's why we evaluate. It's why we don't evaluate single pitchers. It's why we evaluate bullpens. Hmm. And so like when I say like the, you know, I paused there a moment ago when I said like opinion had coalesced so rapidly around you know, this, that are sort of like, it gave me pause, like maybe we should be analyzing other things, but like, what else is there to analyze? It's so f- crystal flipping clear, you know, in a winner go home situation, you know, like uh, you gotta be, I, I mean, it's just astonishing. Mm-hmm. What, a what, yeah, a, there's
1: nothing else, nothing else allowed Stanford to do what they did late in that game. There were no, there was the error at the end, but, Besides that one, beforehand there weren't there were no errors. There were no bizarre plays where somebody accidentally got on base because somebody else threw the rod. Something. It it was just going up there and seeing the pitch and hitting the pitch, and hitting it hard. And that's what happened. And and once that started, it's it's hard to get back late in a game like that. Um, and, and you know, as a coach, you know, okay, she's gone five innings or she's gone six innings, so we're now late in the game, and so th- those two things should combine in your decision tree. It's one thing to say you're struggling in the first or second inning, and may- maybe she can right the ship and get going. It's quite another thing late in the game when it's you're not going to re- probably not going to recover the form that you had. Earlier in the game, simply because you're not fatigued, but it's just you're more fatigued than you would have were, would be in the first inning or the second.
0: And I mean, you can talk about like maybe it would be nice if Oregon's bats did a little better, you know, sure. like three, three runs on six hits is not a lot. Three runs on six. It's pretty good against Stanford. Yeah. And, and enough, you know? I
1: mean, clearly they had two, they had a 2-0 lead and a 3-2 lead. Yeah. During the, during the game. I mean, they it did enough, enough to win.
0: You know, like, you know, you know, honestly, like I would, I would like to see Oregon's bats do a little better this year. I would like to see Oregon's bats do a little better next year. You know, like, I don't Mm -hmm. think they are from one to nine, the, the, an elite hitting team. I think they're Mm -hmm. merely a pretty good hitting team. I think they hit very well against bad teams. I think they hit decently well against um, very good pitching teams. The problem is, the problem with evaluating Oregon's bats is that in the Pac-12, I mean, th- there are three top 10 teams in the Pac-12 and four top 15 teams. I mean, Utah, the <laughs> team that just swept Oregon and which I spent all season warning everybody about Utah, Utah like started out weak. And so everybody sort of underrated them. And then they slowly crept up and they finished top 15. Like they finished as a regional host. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, tr- I was like all season long, I was like pounding the table. I think it was Adam who was on this podcast earlier. It was like, Oh yeah, they should have no problem with Utah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Stop everybody. <laughs> like stop underrating Utah. Like, and, and yeah. like they finish up top 15 team in, in, in a regional host. So like, that's the problem is like finishing Finishing fifth in the Pac-12 under those four teams. Oh, and by the way, Utah beat UCLA to win the Pac-12 tournament and beat them convincingly. It was like seven to four, yeah. right? Like Utah really sure. came on strong, yeah. and they really did unusual. It on, it, yeah, like like UCLA has lost five games this year. Oregon yeah. Oregon represents twenty percent of UCLA's losses. In in the entire season, you know, like and that and and it came off of, you know, Oregon batted pretty well. Anyway, the problem with the problem with evaluating the the question of how well does Oregon hit against good pitching is that the good pitching that Oregon has faced has been phenomenal pitching, right? Like they haven't like like yes i understand that oregon has faced a dichotomy of good pitching bad pitching and they against bad pitching they cream them and against good pitching it's been like well not creamings but the problem is they haven't hit like what you want to do to evaluate a team is to see how they play against like you know to, like a, a team that's in like like you know top top 30 you know mm-hmm. Like if you, you know, divide them into tranches, you want to, you know, top 30, top 40, you know, pitching teams like, okay, they're good, but they're not elite, you know, like that's what you you want to see. Oregon doesn't really play teams like that. They play teams that are like, you know, 80th percentile teams or 10th percentile teams, you know, and it's like, hey, could you give me like a fair you know, <laughs> and like that's, that's, what's really tough. And like, for everybody who's like, you know, Melissa Lombardi is a terrible coach because she loses to every good team that she plays. It's just like the good teams that she plays are too good, you know, like, or finishing, right, yeah, fifth, exactly. you know, f- finishing fifth in this league is like, okay, it like the top four teams in this league are top 15 teams. Like, I know that like everybody in the, who's an Oregon fan wants Oregon to be a top 15 team. I do too. Um, I like and, and you know well. Let's save this to be you know an off season conversation. It's going to be a long off season. Um, you know wh- where the team is going from this. I have my own thoughts. I started to preview them a little bit last week, but anyway like uh i'm saying for our purposes right now it's difficult to evaluate this team because like the difference because oregon's right in the middle between four really awesome teams and four not very good teams and so just saying well oregon didn't beat the good teams and did beat the bad teams and so therefore they're mediocre like there's a lot of ground in mediocre between Mm -hmm. you know between those because of how bifurcated wildly bifurcated the Pac 12 is. Um, so like it's a big window to occupy. And I don't know if, you know, does that mean that Oregon is the number 16 team? Or does that mean right. that Oregon is the number 60 team? Like they really could be anywhere in between because that's how wide that window is. You know, and we really have a hard time telling. Um, yeah. and, it,
1: and the, you know, the question, of course, always is okay, if you're fifth. Uh, and in between these two groups, which direction are you going? Mm. Are you are you getting closer to those top teams where you are going to start winning a series against some of them, for example, not just winning a game, but winning a series against them? Or uh, are you are you starting to fall a little bit farther behind those top four teams? And that I, mean, I, think I would argue me, that's the concern.
0: I mean, I would argue that I I think it is f- from from looking, I mean, it's back of the envelope and you might've just walked into <laughs> another off season project, slurms. Lovely. Um, but for me, back of the envelope, it looks like, you know, version five looks like an improvement on versions three and four on that question. Mm-hmm. And it does mm-hmm. not look like backsliding. It looks like incremental improvement. Um. Although I, I am interested to see what you find out when you do that project for me. Um, okay. during the doldrums um uh that on the other hand it sure hurts you know this getting swept by utah thing and then just as we just finished dumping on her for this like unbelievable decision to not pull scott mm-hmm. in the sixth or seventh against stanford in a winner go home situation like i you know Because, like, that's the thing, man. It's like I can spend a lot, like, not just spend time. And make like, you know, kazooist arguments, but like you know, I, I can make I think very good and logical, you know, arguments and statistical extrapolations to demonstrate that this team is actually pretty good and uh you know and, and like a very solid team. Elite, no, that's an indefensible proposition, but a very solid team, yes. Um, and that's masked by the fact that they're in a conference, you know, they share a conference with a bunch of elite teams um right. uh, uh, and yet at the same time i have to watch a team that just has so many like are you kidding me yeah <laughs> you know moments that are like
1: yeah but I, it's what is going on here and it, yeah, it's amazing exactly think about that that utah series it's like how how deeply that impacted i think m- my view and maybe others view of where this team sits, you know, as, as you mentioned, and we, we've talked about this, they had a chance to kind of play themselves into a pretty good position for the tournament where they would have drawn somebody like
0: Cal yeah. or another team. Right. Where they, exactly. You would, yeah, they would all they need, need, all they really favored. needed to do. Well, they, they either needed to win one game and for the Washington Stanford series to, to, to go a certain way or right. to win two games uh, and it go, you know, the Washington Stanford series go another way, or if they won all three games against Utah, it didn't matter how the Washington right. series went. Um, you know, and and those three different uh, possible outcomes, you know, would have gotten them a two or a three seed, in which case they would have drawn one of the bad teams. And therefore, uh, they would have not only had an easy draw on Thursday, but they probably would have had an easier draw on Friday. And then they probably would have gotten slaughtered in the finals, but at least they would have cruised in. Um, yes, exactly.
1: They would, they, yeah. winning, winning that series would have allowed them. To avoid UCLA as their second game, which is and that's your goal going into this is you. I mean, yeah. UCLA didn't end up winning the tournament, but you don't want to end up winning your first game. And then, oh hey, surprise, we get UCLA now. You don't mm-hmm. want that. Uh, and and the going in the tank the way they did against Utah cost them an opportunity to play. A lower division team, and then have a good chance of making the final. Even if they end up losing to UCLA in the final, fine. But they would have been, hey, at they least would they would have,
0: have been, been in the yeah, yeah, making it to the final, and then like, oh, I lost it to UCLA would have been a no dishonor, you know, type right. of thing. I think you that know, we would have you, celebrated that.
1: Well, that keeps you in hosting a regional. If you if yeah. you do if those two things happen, if you do better against Utah and you end up in the even losing the final to UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament, you end up hosting a regional.
0: Yeah, I know. It's just like yeah, or, or yeah, and, and then like, but then to like, I don't know, like having given away the sweep to Utah, and and then like I, I think that probably even beating stanford and then probably you know they lose on friday to ucla they still probably mm-hmm. give away the regional so it's probably like doesn't yeah, really matter yeah. it's just it's even more it's just it's so galling you know because yeah. like they had the win they had to the right. win you know yeah, yeah there's no, no and, and it's just like the there's yeah there's no right know. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this regional. They're going back to Fayetteville again. You know, that was weird. I don't know why the NCAA <laughs> did that. Arkansas does not appear to be as good of a team this year as they were right. last year, right?
1: Yep. That was my take in, in just kind of looking through some of their games. Last year, they were a four-seed Uh, Mm -hmm. and they were sec champions and this year they're an 11 seed and lost their first round game which happened to be the quarterfinals because of the gigantic number of softball teams that the sec has they have like two rounds before you even get to the quarterfinals of individual games yeah
0: unlike the pac-12 where three (laughs) different uh teams don't play softball i believe all 14 teams in the sec play softball oh by the way i should say everybody uh uh, storms wrote a fantastic, uh, preview, of the regional, uh, all four teams, you know, in the Fayetteville regional, it's on addicted to quack, uh, very thorough. Everybody should read it. Um, yeah, so they, they, w- Arkansas won the sec last year, this year, they did not. They're a lower seeded team in the overall, you know, seedings. Um, they are not a super regional host, unlike how they were last year. Um, Last year, Oregon wound up, basically, they won their first game. I forget against who.
1: Wichita State.
0: Wichita State. So then they faced Arkansas, lost to Arkansas, had to go back. I think they beat Princeton, right? Okay, uh, Wichita State again. Wichita State again. So they yeah. go back and got Arkansas again, and had and and basically the structure of it is they would have had to beat Arkansas then twice, right? You know, Correct. to in order to yeah. give Arkansas the two losses, but they couldn't even beat them once, you know, and that gave the Ducks the second loss, and so therefore that was it, you know, end of end of regional for them them. them um and basically you you, what you were seeing is for this uh regional is they get notre dame the first time around notre dame looks like a fairly vulnerable team um they have decent hitters but their batter or excuse me pitchers you know don't look phenomenal um we will get a good test of our you know that that sort of 30th percentile uh, right. thing that I was just asking for, you know, let's see how Oregon's batters do. But I, it sort of looks like Oregon should be able to outbat this team, so then they'll probably, you know, you know, uh, 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 Arkansas should run Harvard off in the first, you know, their first game. Um, so then you know, they'll get Arkansas, and it'll be a question of, you know, how does Oregon do against you know a team that's ostensibly better than them? Oregon, this version of Oregon, version five, has shown. That they can beat a team that's a little better than them in one game, right? Right right? They did against UCLA. They did against Stanford. They did against Washington. They did against Florida. They did like, they played a bunch of different number three teams, you know, and have gotten a win against number, you know, again, uh, I think Oklahoma or right. Uh, uh you know, they've, they, they've, uh, you know, they can get a one win. The question is whether they can sustain it. Right. So like yes. they might be able to, if this Arkansas team is as good as last year, they might be able to get that first win. Right. And so then they, they, so then what would happen is if they pull that one off, then I believe what happens is they get a buy, right? If they pull that one off.
1: Arkansas would then have to go and play the winner of the Notre Dame Harvard game. And Mm -hmm. the winner of that game would face where in, in the first of what could be two final
0: games right so then what would happen let's assume that let, let, let's say that happens let's play out that scenario so if Oregon gets the win against Arkansas in the first game then Oregon gets to sit down take a break While while Arkansas has to play a game to stay in the tournament so then they circle back around Oregon would play Arkansas again let's say Oregon and, and then basically becomes that's the double elimination part Arkansas yes. would have to beat uh, Oregon twice um in, in order to advance whereas Oregon would just need to beat them once um I don't know feels like Oregon would probably lose twice like that's just sort of my feeling <laughs> yeah. about this team um, get our hopes
1: up and then crush them
0: yeah but like kind of the way that Oregon has played series you know against better teams this year like mm-hmm. I kind of I wouldn't be that shocked would you if Oregon won that first game and then because of the structure of a double elimin- ter- elimination tournament, all the pressure flips, right? It's not like, you know, with a, with a regular season series where it's just like, well, you're going to play three games. It doesn't really matter who wins the first game. You know, it's just like right. there are three games, you know, whatever, you know, like there, it's three games in a, in a 30 game season, you know, who really cares? In a double elimination tournament, who wins the first game is really, really important, right? It determines who gets a bye. It determines whether the second game you're a winner go home team or a we can afford to lose this game team, right? Like,
1: right. Yep. So, it, like, it, it, does, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it is, it, it, the pressures are different in yeah. a regular three game series. Um, you know, you go into that second game with, a, as Oregon did against, uh, you know, both Washington and UCLA. They posted wins in the first game. The second game comes up. They have a chance to close out the series. But if they don't do it, they don't, they don't stop playing. Right in the t- in this tournament, if you lose that first game and, and or
0: it really uh, affects things,
1: yeah. Then then it comes up that you then you have to win, right, or go home,
0: and you don't get that buy. You know, you don't get to go yes. you know, to TJ Fridays or whatever they do. Right. Uh, yeah, you're gonna play um, three games
1: in a couple of days, probably at that point. Right.
0: So, like, getting that first win's really important, which actually Oregon has shown an ability to do. So, like, I'm actually really going to be looking forward to that first game against Arkansas, you know, assuming everything goes the way we expect it to um, right. in, the, in the first games against the, 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 the other teams, Notre Dame and, and Harvard. Um, that's actually going to be a real test, you know, of, of Lombardi's sort of killer instinct, which I think kind of failed her in that game against Stanford, which is why I spent so much time talking about like the winner go home nature of that. Mm-hmm. And like, Hey, there's no tomorrow here. Play Stevie. Why didn't you do that? So like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested to see if she learned her lesson. All right. We'll, we'll see. Uh, so that, uh, that gets started on Friday, right? It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday regional.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. Friday. 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 It's Friday. two o'clock on, on, on ESPN two. It's a two o'clock our time.
0: Yeah. Two o'clock Pacific time, five o'clock yeah. Eastern time, um, in, in Fayetteville, uh, against Notre Dame to start out with. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a break and we come back. We'll talk some baseball. So, uh, the, uh, baseball team, uh, took on Washington, uh, at home. Uh, they got crushed. Uh, it really sucked. Um, <laughs> boy, it really sucked. Um,
1: un- un- unbelievable. Um, I, I don't know if it was a fantastic offensive performance by the Huskies or just a, such a miserable pitching performance by Oregon. I don't know. No, credit. It
0: was, credit. <laughs> it was mis- miserable pitching performance by Oregon. This has actually been b- by far the worst year for Oregon in the Oregon Washington, you know, athletics matchup yeah. uh yeah. uh since like the 80s like it's been like football uh men's women's basketball softball baseball like washington has uh, won all of it um like it's real i mean it's real bad uh um uh it's a good thing that they don't really care about sports in washington or they'd be gloating pretty right. bad um like uh yeah no, know has been you know, terrible. Um you know, like obviously Oregon's pitching situation, you know, is pretty uh, horrendous. Aeon is not back from injury. They keep teasing us with it. Like every week right. they're like, oh he's getting close to getting back. Like, yeah, okay, I'll believe right. when I see it. Like I, I just I think they're just straight up lying about it. Um and then they're not telling us at all what the hell is going on. Um, you know, the, the only pitcher who's, you know, been worth a damn uh uh has been Jay stofall and, and he hasn't pitched a game since april um uh and they're not you know was was like it's not his arm but i don't want to talk about it which is like that's not good i don't want to hear that you know like
1: permanent or something or yeah i don't
0: yeah yeah i you know what which means it's like it's either like he pulled his groin at a script club which like (laughs) what right you know, like, did he go to Springfield and pull? you know, uh, which like, I, I don't, you know, don't go to Springfield. Like no. that's, that's worse. That's even more embarrassing. Oh, uh, and, uh, uh, or it's like, you know, is he caught up in this gambling thing? Cause like there have been pitchers mm-hmm. who have been pulled, like, I'm not making this up. Like there have been pitchers around the country who have been pulled from the rotation because they've been caught up in this, like. You know, the NCAA has sent out advisories that are like, "Hey, you know, you guys can't gamble on any sport that the NCAA has a uh, championship in," which is pretty much all the sports. Everything. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. everything except for horse racing. Um, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know, man, but like him not being willing to talk about it is yeah, that of-
1: is that is weird. He, so he hasn't ruled out other injuries just that yeah. it's not an arm problem
0: yeah and, and also there's a possibility that he's lying that's the other thing yes. like it's Good not point. like he's under oath you know like, no, that's true uh, that's true so like yeah man it's just so um, hard
1: to get, i mean it's so hard to get injured and in, especially as a pitcher so hard to get injured someplace other than your pitching arm you know, once I, we've seen some guys get beaned in the in the MLB this
0: year. I mean, like quarterbacks, in like in, in in football, like fall off of scooters. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Or slip let's down not forget or we all we are talking about college students. You know, right. like
1: sure, right, a little more active lifestyle than some of the rest of us.
0: may have, Well, but. I and stupid. That's the other thing. Like, there's <laughs> like, have you ever talk to a baseball player? Like, honestly, no, have you ever yeah, talked well, to one?
1: I, no, not directly but i've heard st- some very interesting stories
0: so anyway like yeah man i don't know how much like we're gonna get from talking about you know this series cause it's just like i mean it's just embarrassing like i mean oregon's pitching is terrible and they right. just got like annihilated um you know by you know honestly like i don't you know oregon's batting wasn't bad uh you know you know, first game, you know, 10 hits, five runs, second game, 12 hits, eight runs, third game, eight hits, five runs. Like, those aren't bad. You'd like to, you know, in the first and third yeah. game, they could have gotten a couple of more runs. But, like, when you're giving up, you know, 11-plus runs every single game, and 11 right. runs was the fewest runs right. they gave up. Yeah. You know, yeah. 13 Man. hits was the fewest hits they gave up. Like...
1: Washington had so many multiple run innings in this
0: series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ridiculous. Oh, (laughs) you want to count multiple run innings? Let's see. In the first game, they had three of them. In the second game, they had two of them, including nine Nine runs in the first inning before (laughs) before uh, they before Oregon recorded their first out. Yeah, yeah, that was real bad yeah i mean that was just gross
1: how do you uh you know and so i mean again the, your point being that the bullpen is no good generally but it's like how do you leave this guy in there i mean i think he gave up eight of the nine runs or six of the nine runs or something as the starter
0: i'm it's like, it's you... funny i mean at <laughs> some funny. point you'd be laughing right how do you
1: leave him in there for you know to keep just getting nailed uh to give up six freaking runs in one inning
0: i mean oh, it's unbelievable well, like a, like a bunch of them kind of happened at once. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, it goes one, two, four, five. Actually, at that point, you probably should have pulled them. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. then it goes seven and then it goes nine. Like, uh, yeah, no, it probably should have been pulled. Like, I don't know. Like,
1: but again, you know, maybe it's just, I don't have anybody better. And and he kind of showed that. I mean, when the people that came in in re- relief didn't do a whole lot better. I mean, they ended up scoring as many runs a- against the other more actually against the other pitchers. Yeah.
0: You they know faced it was really did
1: against the first guy.
0: It was hilarious. about the 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 second game was that so so Washington goes up you know nine to zero. So then they, you know, they, they barely score for like five more innings, right? So, right, you know, yeah. meanwhile, Oregon puts up five runs, right? So like at the end of five, it's like 10 to five. And you're That's sort of like, I don't know, maybe Oregon's going to bat their way back into this. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the sixth, Washington puts up seven runs. <laughs> and you're like, nope. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Jeez, it's just like... <laughs>
1: I came into this game. I, tur- I I got a little late start in watching the game, and when I turned it on, it was the bottom of the first. And I'm looking at this, going, "What the oh, hell? Oh, real doing? Could late start? How can it, it be nine nothing after half an inning?" <laughs> you were like, "Oh man,
0: oh man, I got here late in the seventh inning. Wait, wait, that's yeah, not a seven. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I got my article written already." <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah brother. And then, I mean, like, you really have to laugh about it. I mean, and then the third know. game, I mean, the third game was kind of, you know, interesting because it's like Oregon was actually leading at the, you know, at mm-hmm. the end of the second, right? It was two to one, right? You know, they were leading at the end of the third, you know, it was three to two. They were leading at the end of the fourth. It was uh, four, uh, uh, four to two. They were leading at the end of the fifth. It was still four to two. Oh, and then Washington had a uh, six <laughs> run top of the sixth. Uh, uh, against Maddie. Yep,
1: and then a yeah, he run top of the ninth, and that was it.
0: That uh, was bad. Yeah. That one, um, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, so like Oregon's pitching is bad. Like I don't, and like, and here's the other thing: it's not like Washington's pitching is real great. You know, mm-hmm. like this is if you know, there's a point where. You know, well, you know me, I I don't really love to talk about like psychological factors, and I don't really think that different aspects of the game typically affect one another that much, like especially in baseball, which I do think it's tends to be a very um, compartmentalized game Mm -hmm. like i i I tend to think that aspects of the game from a structural perspective only tend to affect one another at the very ends of the game but there becomes a point where where just the team sort of just like well this is stupid why am i playing this you know and and it really sort of becomes garbage time and like i do think that like if go go review washington pitchers era you know with oregon batters statistically like if Oregon had a nominal pitching performance Oregon could have bat and, and like Oregon bats weren't demoralized Oregon could have batted their way in, uh, against these pitchers Oregon could have batted their way back you know into these games right. like they, they could have won a game or two games you know uh, against Washington with you know Oregon's batting performance against these pitchers but like you give up nine runs in the first inning or yeah. you give up a five run fourth inning, or you give up a sixth run, sixth inning. And it's just like the bats aren't going to bail you out. Yeah. Like they're just like, they're done. They, it's they one want thing to ask ahead. them to,
1: you know, let's score two or three runs an inning for a little while and we'll, we'll work our way back into this game. It's quite another thing to watch the, you know, to take a lead or to, to get a tie and then watch the other team reel off six runs. Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, man. It's just like, now, now we got to start over. There
0: really, there really does come a point where teenagers are just like they're they're done, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like look at in, in the third game, you know, like they're hitting pretty well actually up until that sixth inning, and then they stop hitting, you know. And it's like, I, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a jerk or or accuse players of quitting, you know, or or try to make them sound like they're jerks, um, but like. If that in fact was the case, could anybody blame them? No, you know. I'd,
1: I'd honestly, I'd rather just laugh about it and let it wash on by because, you know, there's no it, it. These things happen. They happen to every team that's ever played any competitive sport where you just have a day, a series, a week, a month, whatever it is, and you just can't do anything. And it's you know what I
0: recently learned about the the baseball actually does in the NCAA rules have a mercy rule um both teams have to agree on it in advance or it has to be built into the structure of a conference tournament the sec actually agreed to it for their sec conference tournament and it was activated this year auburn mercy ruled a team um and actually like one of their like auburn i think it was lsu it was like, like you know, one of their top teams, and then Auburn mercy ruled them. It was like one of their craziest <laughs> outcomes, and it just happened. Um, and like, there was a point during this series, it was just like, can we invoke the mercy rule? Can this be <laughs> over? You know, after, like after
1: that first inning on, you know, on uh, Saturday. Yeah, it was just like, can I this be done? Nothing after we're, we're done.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oregon's got Utah coming up for their last series of the. Um, uh, of the regular season i believe utah is the unlike their softball team which is apparently the best team in the 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 pack 12 utah appears to be the worst team in the back 12 for baseball um they are uh, uh 21 29 and one overall they are 8 18 and one in uh, uh conference play um which means i guess they tied a, a, a conference game you uh, see sure actually Uh, interesting which Um, is
1: weird yeah well and then the other thing is but in on the softball side both uh harvard and notre dame had a tie too you just don't see it that
0: much uh yeah finish your games guys uh (laughs) uh utah's batting is okay Um, their leadoff batter is a four, one, one, uh, average. Um, that sort of drags everybody up. Uh, you know, they, they're as a team, they bat about a point three, two, um, which is uh pretty good, um, but not like stellar. And it's mostly their, their top batter, um, you know, dragging them up. Uh, I'd have to calculate what it is without that guy but i think it drops under 3 without him um their pitching however is like oregon level bad um uh like their their top 3 primary batters have an era of uh uh 5.55 7.69 and 9.58 um, which is like unbelievably bad like their cumulative uh era is 5.8 which is terrible um their their worst pitcher has an ERA of 54 <laughs> like not 5. So, 5.4 54 so
1: he, <laughs> he pitched up one inning and gave up six runs or something
0: <laughs> something like that uh yes that's he, actually he'd exactly fit, it <laughs> he would fit
1: right in in Eugene actually <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly
1: six runs in so, an inning that's nothing dude i gave up nine yeah exactly
0: <laughs> So, uh, yeah, maybe Oregon's bats will light them up and, uh, we'll, we'll be able to flush this. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some football. So I, uh, uh, I have my my utah football preview series coming up uh, it should be published the same day as this podcast uh goes up um utah of course is the two-time pac-12 defending champions it's actually really interesting to talk to greg uh, of the new no truck stops podcast as we have been for the last several years um greg is a very rational utah fan which is unusual because usually the ones that fill my inbox are the uh rah rah sorts um uh, Greg, like uh, Greg is uh, also not a huge fan of the Andy Ludwig offense as I am not. Um, It's, it's interesting though. I've sort of come to appreciate the sort of like the Flintstones offense that Andy Ludwig is like, he's like, it's the, it, it's crazy because I have been publishing articles for years now, right. Uh, about exactly how to defeat. Andy Ludwig's offense like it's so predictable I I will tell you exactly where the run is going to go based on the formation and in fact it's very gratifying I get I get emails and uh, messages and comments um from readers uh uh who you know tell me i was watching the utah game with you know friends and family and they'd line up in a certain way and i jump up and point at the screen and say the run's (laughs) gonna go right here and sure enough it would and casey rogers or somebody would knife in and get a tackle for loss and all my friends and family would be like oh my god you're a genius and be like (laughs) you know i'm not i just read it today's articles and it's like exactly. it's so it's so great you know to read those it. like, like it's like why i do it man you know like yeah, I, exactly so, and it's like it's so trans- And it's like yeah man and oregon's now done that to them twice and then the other two times they played utah under andy ludwig you know oregon got clobbered by him and it's right. like it's so infuriating and, and the other thing is that like after oregon you know beat him you know both of those times uh I got lots of messages from other teams that were like, how did you do it? How did you do it? As though I were coaching the Oregon team. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I was getting messages from Notre Dame. Notre Dame tried to poach Andy Ludwig oh, and they were really? like, should we get Andy Ludwig, you know, or how were you able, how was Oregon able to stop Andy Ludwig when nobody else was? And I was like, the question is not how did Oregon stop Andy Ludwig? It is super obvious obvious how you stop Andy Ludwig. I've published multiple articles on how you stop Andy Ludwig. It is clear as day. You just need to watch film. Uh, and a couple other teams did too. Actually, um, Florida actually did a pretty good job of it. Um, to be honest, and Florida wasn't a great team. Um, And you know, what's actually kind of crazy, you know, there was actually two other teams that did a pretty good job of stopping of doing actually the things that I said that they should do to stop Utah, they just weren't able to do other things. And so Utah sort of rolled over them. And those two teams were Wazoo and Colorado. Hmm. Which is like Colorado, wow. I know, man. But Colorado in particular completely shut down Devon Bailey, who who's like their only wide receiver, because it's like they watched film and were like they only have one wide receiver, and they completely shut him down. Mm-hmm. Um which is like, huh. And that that defensive coordinator, by the way, Brian Ward switched schools, and I sort of have my eye on him for that reason. But anyway, um, Anyway, um, yeah, I was like, the question is not how did Oregon shut him down, it's how did the rest of you dummies not? You know, like it actually really, you know, like the best explanation is there are a bunch of really bad defensive coordinators in the pack twelve, because if you can't figure out how to shut down this offense, you suck at your jobs. And like that's actually a pretty good explanation. <laughs> um, like well, if you watch the pac twelve, um And, uh, but, and yet at the same time, I sort of, even though like there's no one in the, in the football universe, who's caused me more personal distress than Andy Ludwig for all the reasons that I've just laid out, like the maddening, you know, aspect of it, the 2021 defeats sitting there in Autzen stadium for three years while he was Oregon's offensive coordinator and just being like this offense is dog shit. And I hate it. Like, even though the, you know, that fact there's also, I sort of had this like grudging admiration where he's like, well, if you morons can't stop this
1: yeah that's that's um, a football philosophy it's like you you run it until they prove they can stop yeah. it
0: whatever it, it is and in particular like their th- like their third and five success rate um is through the roof it's like a seventy three seventy five percent success rate on third and wow. five which like which means they can just screw around on first and second <laughs> yeah. down you know. Yeah. Doesn't which is what exactly what they win. do. They, you know, and is why like their success rate, their global success rate is not particularly high. Cause they do kind of like screw around on first and second down. Mm-hmm. And then they just like kill you on third down on, on third and five. It's just like, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, oh, here's another crazy thing, which you'll read about my article, which is that like their first quarter success rate is terrible. They're underwater in the first quarter across their you know 14 games they played in 2022. But then they shoot way up in their second quarter and then they shoot up again in the third quarter. For the first ten games, but in the in the last four games, they go way down in the second in the third quarter, and that's you know that's probably a function of Cam Rising getting hurt, because like Cam Rising bails out Andy Ludwig, and it's also like the first quarter you know sucking is a function of the fact that that's the the quarter in which Andy Ludwig is running scripted drives, which like Andy Ludwig telling you what to do is a bad idea, um, but Cam Rising, you know uh uh you know executing whatever he wants to do is a really good idea. You know, um, and that was true of like Tyler Huntley as well in 2019, like you need a quarterback who can improvise. And that's sort of like, it's kind of crazy for 2023 because like Utah's bringing back basically everybody, like they're losing their tight end, but they're getting back their other really good tight end, Brant Keithy. So like, that's not going to change, but basically otherwise their offense is identical, except maybe they're not going to have Cam rising. Because he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl, so like maybe he's not going to be ready yet. And then also the way that Andy Ludwig's offense works, it gets Cam Rising hurt every year. I mean, literally, sure. it's gotten him hurt every year. So it's like their backup quarterback is like very important, and it does really just doesn't look like they're going to have a backup quarterback who's going to come anywhere close to approximating what Cam Rising is going to do. I mean, like I spend like I spend like seven paragraphs talking about. The possibilities for Cam Rising's backup because, like, what else am I going to talk about? Right, you know, for this offense, and and And, it's
1: and it's going to be relevant. I mean, given history,
0: yeah, exactly. Like, not only what else am I going to talk about, but it's like it's not a theoretical, you know, mm -hmm. hypothetical kind of deal. I thought it
1: was very interesting that you know you're evaluating these other these backup quarterbacks, and you've got an offense that requires sort of a Cam Rising set of abilities. But each one of these guys that they've got um, has one piece of it or maybe one and a half or two pieces of what they need, but not all the pieces. Right, exactly. Not to say it's easy to recruit guys like Rising. Sure. But the fact of the matter is that that it seems to me that if you're going to run this offense and it requires this skill set to be successful, that you should be beating the bushes to find guys that fit that profile.
0: And there's – okay – put a pin in that because i'm going to come back to it after i talk a little bit about the defense the like why didn't you go get this um because let, let me come back on that one the other thing is about the offensive line you know we uh, again it was, it's really good talking to greg because he's a really level-headed utah fan and like i can bounce theories off of him and he doesn't just explode like he's like yeah you know <laughs> or he'll push back when it's time to push back which is good too um so like jim hardening in the offensive line Um, a lot of people have this like notion because Utah has, is sort of built in a certain way that Utah's offensive line must be really good. And frankly, given the status of PAC 12 offensive lines, Utah is in like the upper middle of the PAC 12, but it's not a great offensive line. And in fact, every time they play a good team, they usually lose. And the reason that they lose are deficiencies in their offensive line. And the reason is because it's like, they're all like 26 year old, but like low three stars. You know, like they didn't go out and get a bunch of talent. And it's kind of crazy that Jim Harding, who's been there for a decade in a talent-rich state for offensive linemen, you know, Utah is not a talent-poor state for offensive linemen. They're a talent poor state for other positions, like you know, right. skill position players, but not for offensive linemen. You know, and Utah has been enjoying success, and they're the only power five program. They're they're very quick to remind you that they're the only power five program. Like, there's no team in the universe that's more happy to be a, a Pac-12 school than Utah. You will never see a Utah football logo that's not next to a Pac-12 logo. I'll tell you <laughs> that. Like, they're like, look at any Utah stationery or other form of iconography. There is a Pac-12 logo right next to it there pleased as punch to be in the pack 12 um they uh anyway like he's been there for a decade and he's like only just now you know been hauling in like this 2023 class is a pretty good haul for him and in the last cycle or two he's gotten a couple of high three stars like one four star but but up until this point like it's been a bunch of like 26 year old low three stars and walk-ons for his offensive line and they kind of get demolished whenever they play a good defensive line now he doesn't play a good defensive line very often in the pac 12 so you usually don't notice but when he does whammo! um and so like and so like Greg on the podcast, who again, I praise as being like a very level-headed guy, you know, has spent a long time being a Harding hater for that reason, but he switched over because of these great recruits to being, you know, a big Harding stand. And I'm like, I'll be a Harding stand when those guys, A, play, which isn't going to be this year because, you know, right. they, they need, fresh yeah. And B, like when they actually convert, you know, and, and play well, because I mean, recruiting is only half of it, right? They got actually, you know. play well spool them up so like so that's the other thing is like they they you're banking on you know don't catch your don't count your chickens right so now let's talk about the defense they're returning like you know everybody on the defensive line but here's the thing like about their defensive line uh is that like they they are returning exactly the players that they need and no more um Like it's, you know, and there was a real fatigue issue in their defensive tackles because they couldn't rotate. They had exactly the players that they needed and no more. They're, you know, they're bringing back all those players and they're probably, you know, because they're bringing like one additional guy online and then another dude is like slimmed down a little bit so they could probably, you know, play him a little bit more. But like, but that's it, you know, like it's going to be those four guys and I sure hope none of them gets hurt. And then on the, you know, the defensive ends, it's like they're bringing back, you know, they're, they're losing one guy, actually by far their most disruptive guy, but they're getting a different four star, although it's a four star who's never played. And so it's like that guy's got to work out and nobody's got to get hurt, you know, and it's, so it's like they're, they've got exactly the four guys they need in their four man rotation. Everybody's got to work out and nobody's allowed to get hurt okay but if wow. those things obtain it should be a very good defensive line it sure was last year you know it sure was capable of shutting down usc in the conference mm-hmm. championship game you know so hooray you know yep. if it all works out and then that's nice
1: that's a knife's edge uh, to be
0: walking well yeah and then same thing with the i will flip over to the secondary same thing with the secondary there's a scenario you'll have to read my article it's actually very complicated um uh, it's extremely complicated, actually, in the secondary. I, I, I walk you through it, but like the, I'll give you the, the abbreviated or jump to the end, which is that like there's a scenario where this all works out if it works out perfectly. But they need each individual person to work out exactly and nobody can get hurt. Man. And then in linebackers it's the reverse. Actually, they have the the exactly the correct ratio. They have nine guys for three positions, which is that's precisely it, right? It's mm-hmm. th- 3 yeah. to 1. But here's the deal, all th- all nine of those dudes there's a knock on them. So it's like the reverse situation, right? You, you know, the the ideal situation is like Georgia where it's like it's a 3 to 1 ratio and every one of the dudes that you're going to draw from is like Uh, oh my God, I'm in love with all nine of you dudes. So I can't possibly go wrong. This is not the Georgia situation. You know, it's all nine of you guys have a knock. So, you know, you'll probably find three playable dudes because it's the right ratio, but I'm not going to be in love with any of those playable three dudes. Um, you know, and but and the other positions, the ends, tackles, corners, and safeties, it's like this could work out perfectly if everybody works out perfectly and nobody gets hurt. But God help you if anybody doesn't work out or if somebody gets hurt. And going back to the offensive line situation and what you said a moment ago about the quarterback situation, like this is the knife's edge that Utah uh uh operates on. Is that like they the, like it's a, it, it's a fantastic team. If everything works out and I don't want to call them lucky because luck is a four word, word four letter word in the analysts. Right. Industry. Yeah.
1: You make your own luck or whatever,
0: right? Yeah, you do. And it's a very well coached team and they have a whole lot of coaching continuity and they're always right there, right there, man. If you slip up and there's nothing that PAC 12 teams like doing more than slipping up um and that's why they've won the Pac-12 two years in a row and it's why you can't discount them as a possibility for three-peating because i mean it's substantially a very similar team to, as it was for the last two years in which they won and and most of the time when a team you know wins the conference championship two years running this is the time when everybody's graduating not utah they're all sticking around right. uh so like can't discount the possibility of a three-peat for exactly the same reasons but here's the deal it requires everybody Working out that they're betting on and nobody getting hurt, which like, are you really betting on that happening three years in a row? Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, nobody's that lucky. (laughs) Wow. So as we always say when we're recording about this series, the when we talk about other teams, we're really talking about Oregon and Utah's, uh, the interesting contrast that Utah provides is Utah's got one route to success. They've got to hit it in exactly one way. And if anything goes wrong, everything goes wrong for Utah. And, uh, and with Oregon, that's not true. Um, or at least that's not how they're trying to build this team, because as we've seen for Oregon, every time for a position, if they build it in such a way that there's only one way it goes right with Oregon's luck, it goes wrong. You know, there's that word again, luck. Um, you know, Oregon can't rely on situations where there's only one way this goes right. Um, and so Oregon has, you know, under Lanning um, and under Mario Cristobal, they have been trying to build out alternate paths to success. And in studying Oregon's roster management, it doesn't look like Utah's roster management. It looks like build out redundancy, build out multiple pathways. Um And that's, you know, when I study Utah's roster, that's the contrast that it provides. Um, And it makes me appreciate uh, the fact that, you know, there's more flexibility and more, you know, margin for error uh, built into this roster. Mm All right, uh, let's wrap it up there. I think that'll do it for us this week. Do you have any parting words or wisdom for us, Slurms?
1: Never have any wisdom, but uh, I am looking very much forward to the softball regional. I hope that Oregon can improve on its performance from last year.
0: Uh, Well, uh, uh, Arkansas is always lovely this time of year. I actually rather enjoy uh, the Ozarks in in May. Um, uh, But... It never rains on this podcast.